Hello and welcome. This is Reanimated, the podcast about all things zombie. My name is Stuart. I'm in California. Joining me from New York is AJ Conrad. Good morning, AJ. Good morning. Hello. Welcome to the podcast where we are going to talk about Interview with a Vampire, episodes three and four, um, starring a wonderful cast of British people, Australians, and now an American. <laughs> With Bailey Bass being introduced to the cast in these episodes. But before we can get there, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about a couple of news drops that happened in the past week. Uh, we we are podcasting this late, and apologies to those of you who set your watches by our podcast, but that's really bad practice. Don't do it because you'll be disappointed. Uh, but because of the World Cup final, it happens right when we usually podcast. And so if any of you were lucky enough to watch the match... Um, it was a fun game, but the the fact that it went over and then over and over <laughs> meant, to, meant that we ran out of time to do a podcast. So sorry that this is late. However, the news, H.A. Conrad, which, which of these two stories do you find the most compelling? We've got um, Night of the Living Dead sequel and a new Zomedy. Uh, the Night of the Living Dead sequel, I was more um, interested in the... Um... You know, like like they're definitely not require they're not, they're definitely not terming this as a reboot. Um, so like you know, or a prequel or anything like that. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, so this is basically a there's a director of a film called The Nanny, which I have not seen or heard of. Have you? I've heard of it, and I've I've heard of it getting decent. Uh decent reviews it's it's kind of like just came out um but the director uh who did this is uh nikyatu jusu or yusu um and this is the person that they are basically um in like giving this this i don't want to call it a franchise i guess uh but sort of in sort of entrusting the legacy uh to this director um and she's uh very you know I, I'm going to watch The Nanny because it's getting such great reviews. I admit I had not heard of it before. So I watched the um, trailer. It's kind of about a, a an African immigrant in New York who's working as a nanny. And then there are like magical or supernatural things happening to her. So it's it, yeah, it, it kind of hits on a few levels, I think. It does. And visually, it looks really cool. So I'm, I'm definitely going to check that out. And I'm looking forward to see whatever they do with this. Um so I'm I'm very I'm very excited to see it. Uh, it's going to be written by Latoya Morgan, and this person uh, Latoya was a, a part of the Walking Dead franchise, but there aren't there's really a dearth of details about what it's actually going to be about. So yeah. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But I'm I'm kind of excited just after seeing the trailer for the nanny and seeing what this was this director seems to be capable of. So uh, so we'll have more news on this later. But this is a very early sort of take on it, which is. Cool. I am also interested in the fact that they're calling it a sequel. And right. the article in Gizmodo is like, hey, does Dawn of the Dead know about this? You know, haha. But yeah, like yeah. making a sequel to Night of the Living Dead, it can just like completely preclude the other not Romero movies. Like they're that's totally acceptable. It'll be very interesting to see which direction they to choose to go. Uh, you know, they don't have to go to a mall, they don't have to go to a mine in Florida. They can do whatever they want. And so I think that that's very I, that's very cool. And obviously, I was just saying last week that there wasn't any news uh, about like upcoming high profile projects. And I think that this might fit the bill. So oh, definitely, definitely. So exciting. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear more about it. 
And in the meantime, I'm going to check out The Nanny, uh, which was released on Prime Video, I think. Uh, I I don't think it got a theatrical release, but still, that doesn't mean anything bad. It could just mean (laughs) that that's what they did with this. And it seems like a lot of horror films, that's what's happening these days, especially um, if you're a more independent director. So I'm going to check that out. and we'll hopefully have more info on this in the future. Yeah. Next then up, the other is one is it. yeah, <laughs> killing it is going to be a zombie comedy, also from Amazon Studios, so it'll probably be on Prime. And it's the uh, the two minds behind a black lady sketch show, Bridget Stokes and Robin Thede. And uh, we're gonna see. Okay, it's a film with four best friends attempting to redeem their college reputations by traveling to the Spellhouse Homecoming. And their quest for vindication becomes a fight for survival when a zombie apocalypse begins to ter- terrorize the country. I like that this is sort of like a buddy road trip college reunion kind of show that turns into a zombie apocalypse. I like this idea. Yeah. Uh, so, and I, I actually have never really seen much out of the Black Lady Sketch Show of you. No, I have not. So, yeah. So uh, bona fides are kind of unknown. Uh, we should get into that, I guess, a little bit. But uh, any uh, any zombie project is a good zombie project in my book until I watch it and decide that it's not good. Um, yeah, no kidding. We're we'll, we're, we'll figure. We're we'll, yeah, yeah, it'll be exciting. So, yeah, so I think um, we're definitely gonna have to to keep an eye out on this and check it out when it comes out. When did they? I didn't see a release date. This was still again uh, details were a little bit sparse on this. Yeah, these are both from Deadline, and Deadline never has much in, uh, as far as the information goes because I think they get their, they're they're like writing press, they're getting press releases from like the agencies, so they're getting the very first right. look at it. This is not including much production information, yeah. but yeah, as we learn more, we will report in back, report back on in, uh, and that's kind of it. There is not a lot of other stuff out there. I guess Norman Reedus might have uh, got himself a role in one of the John Wick spinoff movies. I don't suppose that that's going to be a conflict for him uh, going to France and filming an entire television show. Uh, we'll see. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it. So then back to interview with the vampire. I've been reading the book. I have not finished it because I read a book right before I go to sleep. And it tends to be a bit of a soporific and I fall asleep within five minutes. However... I have gotten to uh, the introduction of Claudia in the book. So that kind of works for these two episodes. Well, it does. Um, and especially because of the, um, you know, the, well, we'll talk about Claudia. We'll get into it. We'll get, we'll into get, it. We'll get there. We'll get there. There's uh yes. Yeah, so there is a seat. There are a few scenes in this episode, which I found very interesting, especially contrasted with the book. Uh, but let's get to those two. Um, this episode is called is my very nature that of the devil. Their head, their episode headline or titles are, are always like sentence fragments, and it's. I think they're just pulled right from the episode, but it's still a little, like, what? Okay, is there? Why is there ellipsis? Um, and it's kind of this interesting argument between Lestat and Louis here, with Lestat preaching hedonism, and Louis proposing to Lestat instead of just wallowing in, you know, the miracle that is murder and mayhem and doing whatever we want because we can, maybe we should just kill the baddies. Well, 
And that's the, I mean, that's always the the thing about this. Like if, okay. And this is, this is always kind of the interesting thing that, that I do think that Anne Rice does a nice job of examining um, in these books um, in general. It's like, if you were given these, uh, these powers, you're not aging, you're somewhat um, indestructible, though I will say clearly Lestat is slightly more indestructible than Louis. Um, but, you know, do you lose your humanity if, like, humanity is now food? Um, and that's, like, the sort of struggle back and forth. Um, you know, what you I know, found how- myself thinking about a lot was uh, comparing this with, um, oh, gosh, what was the, the Catholicism one, the Mike Flanagan one we just watched? Oh, yeah, the Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass. Because those vampires, when they turned, there was, like, a switch that was flipped where they lost all, all they had was hunger. Yep. Except for only like two or three characters, right? Like um, yep. Riley and his parents almost. Uh, all they had was hunger and they had no compunction. They had no um, morality anymore. They were, or they were above, they were amoral or super moral or something along those lines. Right. And, and Lestat seems to have that. And uh, later on, it seems like Claudia maybe has that or she's too immature to have developed any kind of moral compass. But that is the thing that Louis does not seem to be able to like. He is not switched on that way. He still has his old moral compass. And that is a lot of the crux of their their conflict. But um, I just did find it interesting thinking about Midnight Mass and how that show approached it. Um, where it was super normal for vampires to just be like, oh, you know what? I'm a vampire now, and so I'm going to have to kill you. Uh, I don't feel bad about it. It's just the way it is. And that's, you know, and that's kind of Lestat's philosophy. Um, anyway, it was it was interesting to kind of think back to that show, the last vampire thing we did, really, other than that. Yeah, that and Jamie I mean, Fox. they do, and that that is reminiscent of some of the things that they examine, and I think that that's, like, an interesting thing. Is it even... You know, like like there there are some things with Louis and you were saying it before. Halastat was actually pretty, uh, pretty pretty. Uh, I don't know, uh, understanding and and calm and whatever it, with Louis because he's sort of like, come on, catch up. This is what we are now, and you're like, uh, um, uh, you're you're just kind of behind in the game and. I don't know. And and there is like I do think that they do a really good job in this show of showing that the time is very fluid uh, and they especially show that as it relates to Louis and his family, um, the time passage, because for Louis, who's a little bit newer to this game. This is, you know, he's very surprised when it turns out, like, say, that his sister now has, like, multiple children or, you know, as they as they sort of like go through like. As he's sort of, I don't want to say he's evolving, but maybe, I don't know, getting used to his new reality, um, it, things just become a little bit less, um, like, salient to him in, in the human world, even though he's still very attached in some ways. So yeah, it's it's a little uh, convenient, his attachment to his family, because yeah. he does only remember, I think, to go to yeah. his niece's birthday party. Because Jonah reminds him that that's what's going on because he went by the house, right? And he talked to his sister, but he hasn't been there in six months and probably would have completely forgotten. Um, And when they're talking together, him and Jonah at the Azalea, he's like, right, she has two twins. (laughs) Like he has to remind himself that she has kids. Uh, So his 
his attachment to his family and his rage later at Lestat, where like you took everything from me, you took my family from me. But it's like, I mean, yeah, but also you don't think about them all that much. And when you do, it goes badly uh, because you haven't been thinking about them enough. Like clearly there is a disconnect. So I think you're right. I think he is evolving past that, but it's like a real painful evolution. It feels like. Right. Right. And I mean, he's still trying to do things with like, um, he's still trying to just, I don't want to say take care of his family and he still has some like guilt. Um, I don't know. Like, like it, he's still like having a very human reaction to certain things. And he's very mad at Lestat for, you know, for, for not feeling that way. But Lestat is older, a lot older. Um, so, you know, in the book, uh, Lestat was only 10 years older than Louis. Isn't that weird? Uh, as, as a vampire. Oh, really? I guess yeah. I thought he was a lot more old than that just because of how they set up his. But maybe I'm maybe I'm. And again, I have not. So I probably should read these. I've been meaning to. I just haven't had time this week. Um, I mean, in, in this, I think he is like 100 to 200 years older than Lestat because of the yeah. way he was talking about flintlock pissed rifles and stuff in the one episode where. When those have been phased you mean, out, let's not older than Louis. That's what I meant. Sorry. Oh, okay. uh, he yes, and I think in this. So in this version of the story, I think he is supposed to be a couple, a hundred or more years older. Um, so the, they do this experiment about the, uh, the go after the criminal. I thought that was pretty fun to watch, uh, but then I didn't understand why Louis goes through all the, the process, finds his choice of candidate, and then still opts for the cat. Did you have a sense of why he did or why they made that choice? No. Um, I mean, I guess, uh, yeah, I have no idea. Um, like but it's still I think not that, okay. Yeah. Um, instead of the, yeah, the, the cat, I guess, is more because, like, in at, at least in the books, there's a whole thing about rats and the rat thing. And I don't think that they go for cats at all. So I found that to be disturbing. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the rats were like on ships. They made a point of saying, like, if you're doing a cross oceanic right. voyage, you better be used to drinking rats. And actually, that was Lestat's like idea. Like, that's one of Lestat's little tidbits that he that he likes to drop on Louis is to be like, look, stick with me, kid. I'll tell you everything you need to know. Rats. That's where it's at. Uh, which was kind of funny, but yeah. So Louis still still opts for the animal, even though he came up with this whole idea. Lestat, like you know, basically well, he kind of takes the joy out of it because he breaks the guy's neck and he's flopping in an alley, and I think that probably is what turns Louis off. That yeah. could be it anyway. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Like, uh, but I do think that they do. There is like I think that these actors are really great and they have a good chemistry together and their their conflict together is w really well done. Yeah, um, and it's like way more nuanced. This conflict yep. is way more nuanced than the book. So much through just looks or body language, and there's um, I don't know. I just think it's it's an incredible. I am really enjoying this, just watching this play out because I do think that some of this is what they had in mind, but it's not like you can show this in the book. Um, so this is something that they've added in that I think is really making this a much richer story in a good way. And they're um, also in part of the updating of the story for this show. They have made a lot of changes. They have made 
massive changes in a way. And they they address that directly in this episode. And I think it's so smart the way they do it. So after they, they go to the bar or the club and Lestat is heckling the pianist and then gets up and plays and he's really good. And then they're all best friends, right? And and Louis in re- relating all this to Malloy is like, and that's when he invented the Wolverine blues. And mm-hmm. Malloy's like, well, I mean, wait. it's Jelly Roll Morton. It's like, come on, like, like, come on. Wait, you, you're saying that Lestat invented this and he plays it. Yeah, He's like, yeah. are you kidding me? And then he plays a bunch of clips. Yep, and yep. these are directly quoted from the book. Uh, like he has, you know, he's a sow's ear with a thin carping voice. He's a stick man and he's an idiot. And all these, all these like really terrible things he's saying about Lestat. And they're straight out of the book, the early chapters, as far yep. as I've gotten. Right. And, yeah. and then Louis is like, no, listen, the, you know, memory is, is a fluid. I don't know what he says, but he's basically like, yeah, man, that was the less nuanced version of the story. What the one I'm telling now uh, has way more layers or something along those lines. And this, this is what we're doing here. We're going to, we're going to talk this all, talk this all out. Um, but like the, the old version of the story of him and Lestat, he hates Lestat. He hates he Lestat does. almost from day one. Yeah. And so there is this, uh, th- always this tension in the book between him and Lestat. And again, I need to to read it to be a little bit more fresh, but, I feel it, I if if memory serves a lot of what they show in um th- he does evolve in the books like I th- like where he understands Lestat a little bit more and they come to some kind of a um not like a piece but kind of a piece um and part of that is because that Lestat then writes his own book and version of things that happens and so I think they they've combined these a little bit to show uh, a more like a well-rounded perspective versus just Louise's perspective because interview with the vampire is very much from Louise's perspective vampire Lestat is clearly from Lestat's perspective um and it's an interesting way of telling a story um because you're never quite sure who is correct or not and and so this is kind of interesting um and then in this book, or sorry, in this rendition, they also have the addition, you know, of Claudia a little bit later on, and they're pulling her diaries into this. Um, so Fascinating. Then yeah, it, that's in the that episode four. Life. Right, right, but Yeah, right. it's very interesting. Um, the the whole, like, that's the, after we hear about the contradicting clips and, like, this is the more nuanced version of the story, this, the it goes into a, the this kind of tale of are they jealous when each other take lovers mm-hmm. uh and then it goes from that into well he goes and visits his family it goes super badly because his mother has kind of been terrible to him ever since paul died mm-hmm. uh and now she somehow thinks or at least you know this the show kind of wants you to think she knows what he is really i think she's just bitter and and angry that he hasn't been coming around as much uh but he gets he loses his temper and kicks the door right off the frame uh which i feel like is a huge error yep uh that kind of severs any semblance of a family relationship that he has anymore but frankly like his mom was just egging him on like she was being horrible to him yeah and then you have to sort of think about how life must have been like for him even before all this thing, like before he became a vampire, um, you know, she makes comments about the fact that he's gay. Um, 
and you know yeah and you wonder how much of their like especially in that scene at the funeral in the next episode grace is so dismissive of him and his lifestyle and it's almost more that than him being a vampire right um kind of insane but also not that surprising for like 1920 right um and then so there is there is all that sort of underlying thing i guess you know the part that i i struggled a little bit with was again and and i have to have to say i'm a little bit with lestat on some of this stuff is that like why does this even matter and lestat you know the the actor who plays lestat and this character and how they have him written it is you know he does certain things for louis and you know out of um now i guess from this different new more nuanced perspective he's doing things um but it, you know it is it, i would say that the best way to put it is that he's playing along but he's incredibly bored um by all of this sort of humanity and like being even involved in some of these things and that comes to a head um you know it like I think even Lestat taking, you know, the the singer woman, um, Antoinette, as like, you know, just even that involvement is just he's he, he's egging Louis on a bit yeah. um, and trying to get a reaction out of him. And, and you just get you honestly just get this sense of a cat playing with his food. But he uh-huh. doesn't kill her. Like he actually no. just has a relationship. He has like a tryst with her. And then they break up. I mean, we don't know. Maybe he did kill her. But the, he says it. He, he's like, yeah, we just broke up. And that's a taxidermist I met earlier. Like, I just killed this guy instead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he is just a like, and I know I'm kind of beating a dead horse, but this version of Lestat is so much more well-rounded and kinder oh, yeah. to Louis. Yeah. Like the Lestat in the book would have just murdered whoever Louis thought was nice. Yep. You know, like that's kind totally. of what Lestat was doing. Yep. Uh, either, either he was off killing people uh, and like ending uh, entire family lineages. And Louis found that to be abhorrent and he was just doing it because he wanted to, Uh, or, you know, or in the case of Claudia, he turns Claudia kills her and turns her because Louis thinks that that's like the worst possible thing he could do. And that's obviously not what happens here in these episodes. Right. Uh, So it's kind of, it's, it is just such a, it's like such a contrast between the, it is. I mean, and that was the other thing, like in the books, Lestat was incredibly like, yes, he would do these things, but he also thought it was funny. You know, like he was a true, you know, like he would set up these tableaus or he would he would play with like these whole groups of people or families yeah. and then like prop them up as if they were, you know, like for people to find. And he would try to basically um make it as horrible as possible for Louis and took joy out of that. So this is a little bit of a different type of view of Lestat. Um, And that's the thing, like with Louis, Louis, you know, not, I wouldn't say as vengeance, but he um, has uh, his tryst with Jonah, who's an old uh, childhood lover, I guess. An old child. (laughs) Yeah, no, yeah, a he's... childhood lover. Like I yeah, mean, yeah, he's yeah. Like from teenage years, or he's a little, he's been older than him, but he definitely they were involved with each other. And I mean, they they make a big deal out of the fact that Lestat has basically stalked and like watched this whole thing happen. But I would say the Lestat in the book would have just killed Jonah outright and probably put it in a place for Louis to find. Right? Like mm-hmm. this doesn't seem like this is something that would have been tolerated. Um. But in this case, he 
is left to you know do his own thing so that was kind of that was interesting this this shift but i do think that the shift makes sense in the story that they're trying to tell um and it's definitely complicated and complex and uh, like their relationship is completely unhealthy and then but the it it's a very smart way to build upon what happens next um in terms of the uh sort of at the end slash beginning end of this episode and the beginning of the next episode you mean with like the introduction of claudia and bringing her into it yeah and then they're also bringing in other elements so um the other big tension throughout this is are things that are happening with uh louise businesses and uh what's happening with the white business owners and there's like specific legislation that's taking place because it's really meant to to push the black owners out of storyville or out of business basically um despite all the things that louis has done to keep these you know to be a part of this community and really feels like he's um you know like like he is i don't want to say he can't win but even with all this power he has that he's just can't believe that they are doing this um and you know reading the thoughts the one part that sort of stuck with me is like he can read thoughts but maybe he's not reading them all the time but you would would you think that he already kind of knew all this stuff already. I can't imagine that they would be able to mask um, the racism that they're showing so boldly. Yeah, true. Um, I mean, if he plays poker with these guys, that's a really good point. He could have been, he could have been maybe a couple steps ahead, but he has none of the legitimate power that these guys unfortunately have. Fenwick and Anderson are both pretty despicable people. And, it's amazing the restraint that he actually even shows by not making more of a dog's breakfast of it. I mean, what he does still sets off like almost like a Tulsa massacre. Yeah. Uh, so it's there's you know, that's the show is showing us that despite his power, there are societal things that he can't really influence. Uh, and that's right. that sucks. But the part of this that, you know, and maybe had he gone to Lestat and had they figured some things out, I mean, Lestat clearly has a lot of money. They could have done a lot of things not like and that was the thing is that Louis wanted to be the face of these businesses and wanted to be actively participating. But you get the sense that Lestat could sort of buy and sell all these people or that's at least how it feels. And he's choosing not to involve himself, but they could have done some things like in the background and slyly like bought out all these people's things and ruined them financially. There were other ways that I feel like they probably other, other means that they could have had at their disposal to be able to do some of this stuff. But yeah, I, if Lestat be, gave a damn, like, cause yeah, that's also, that's a big part of this too. Cause when they're like, Oh, you, you know, Lestat could be the face of your business in the French quarter. And Lestat's like, nah, this is Louis's hobby, not mine. Yeah. Uh, so he's he is holding it at arm's length because he never wanted to get into human business in the first place. And by the end of this, like the human business is over. All they have is their yeah. townhouse. Like that's they've kind of they're, they're done. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of this episode, he goes out into the streets where they're rioting or where the but really where the white people are burning down black neighborhoods uh, and goes into a burning building and saves a girl named Claudia. Mm. Okay. And uh, so that's. Rather than a Claudia who is a five-year-old girl sitting next to her dead mother who died of the plague, we have Claudia who is in a burning building where her 
aunt, I think, has burned to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the building is burning directly because of actions. Ex- because of 100% because of what Louis just did. Um, yeah. And then the other part is that they've definitely made, they've aged Claudia up. So she's probably like 10 or 11, right? She was 14. 14, I think sorry. the character is 14 when she is turned because she talks about it in the next episode. Yeah, um, and that's, I mean, it, this is a decision that they've made and I understand why they've made it and I think it works probably. But some of the some of the, the issues and guilt and things that um, Louis has with really and not really list out as much but with in relation to the character of claudia um it has to change a little bit so i do think it works but at, like in the books claudia is so young that she can't be out and on her own without an adult with her um she cannot be it, it you know she can't be out in the streets um she always has to have an adult accompany her which makes her completely dependent upon louis and lestat um this is and, an amazing set of montages, though. These like parenting yeah. scenes that happen yes, are fantastic. Good. Yeah. Uh, not least of all, because Claudia turns out to be so bloodthirsty and um, just which, by know. the way, is the same as in the book. So, yeah. yeah. So um, but but, you know, I think these montages are amazing. I do think that this decision to make her older works um and you still have they can make it work yeah i mean when you like if she's she's five in the book kirsten dunst was 11 in the film Mm -hmm. which people were already like oh this is you know you're changing it uh and but now now that she's 14 it does change to me i mean they make a point of of her perspective and we're in episode four now the ruthless pursuit of blood wit blood wit what is I don't know. Uh, they they make a point of her saying like I'm stuck in this you know tween prepubescent body, but there's a vast gulf between five years old and fourteen yep. in terms yep. of like the maturity of the human anatomy. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so it it's still they can make this work. They can write it so that it works, but it is not at all what the book no. It's definitely it's it. definitely different, but. It also presents other things that they're clearly exploring, like sexual violence. Um, you know, uh, like she as this younger person, she's trying to like pass as an older person um, all the yeah, time. Bailey Bass, the actor who's playing her, is nineteen years old too. Yeah. Just, just FYI. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think that that it it still works, and it, it and I think that this does give a little bit more freedom to the character. But it does change some of the issues. Um, so, you know, she's able to go off and does go off eventually. Um, but in this, um, she's, you know, it's a little less because, like, the Claudia in the in the books is five. And, like, there's this whole deal about her having dolls um, and being treated like a child and all this stuff. And, you know, she's, it's this super creepy thing because she's eventually this, like, you know, 80 plus year old vampire in the body of a five year old. Right. right. Um, so, so there is, there's definitely, and they're still exploring those things, but it's just not quite as drastic as it's, you know, those things are not the same. Um, yeah. but I do think that they do a good job at, um, 
you know, sort of creating this little vampire family. And Louis' whole comment that, you know, this is what you do. You have a child to try to save your failing relationship, which I thought was a pretty, like, interesting way of looking at it, you know? Um, yeah, so. it's, it is very interesting. And, you know, like, for those happy montages that are, like, the first third of the episode, everything is great. Like, it's, it's Lestat and Louis have less time to each for each other, but they seem way happier and in sync. Um, right. And they're all, there are the scenes where they are separately with, with her, uh, like, you know, t- each parenting in their own way, which like Louie, it's like going out in a rowboat and eating fish out of the bayou while she catches right. uh, fireflies. And with Lestat, they go out to lover's lane and <laughs> just murder a bunch of people. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Lestat has a great line in this episode too, where he's like, you know, it's I think he's talking about the um her first kill and she talk he talks about eating syrup while riding on the wind. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was pretty pretty great. And, but she passes on the drunkard and goes for the policeman instead. Which I think might have also been like a, a way for the show to be like, yeah, you know, these are the same cops who were uh destroying black businesses in the last episode and now this this uh young black kid vampire is going to kill white cop um who didn't seem like a bad guy necessarily he was worried about this young woman but yeah. uh, then he was dead yeah um and then there's also the dynamic like where claudia and louis um can actually talk to each other in their heads and lestat really doesn't like that um but they have a sort of bond because they both were base they were both created by lestat um and so there's you know there is that dynamic too where they're they're their own little kind of unit um and there is still the sort of the the seeking of information from Lestat that he is unwilling to share every once in a while he'll give away a little bit of something about other vampires but then he quickly backtracks or shuts it down and so you can tell that both of them have like an interest in it when it comes up um but that's uh you know um that's kind of an interesting thing that I feel like they play upon um, like a dysfunctional family in in terms of the dynamics between Louis and Lestat and Claudia. Yeah, that is an interesting and that is consistent with the book, too, where Lestat always has this like uh, vault of information that he's not sharing, mm-hmm. uh, which and, and, and except in the book, it's way more out there in, in the open. It's like the only reason why Louis stays with him is because he has it. He's like, well, why, you know. Uh, Lestat it keeps telling him like you don't know everything yet there are ways you could die you don't know about uh so it's it's kind of yeah um there are scenes in this episode of Malloy going to the diaries and uh, interacting with Rashid but uh when he's going to the diaries he he has like oh yeah he interacts with Rashid who's praying Rashid says something to him in Uzbek and Malloy's like you're not from here Mm-hmm. Uh, and then goes back to his computer and opens up a folder called like how uh what is it like household staff or something along those lines yeah. uh and that where he has all these questions written in, in his notes where he's like three cars for me uh do they all know they work for a vampire yeah uh, which i thought was it's it's playing into that line that i've been enjoying about this show which is how does louis have like a staff like how yeah. and it seems like a lot of people work for him so I'm glad that they're paying attention to that. And he also has in there the uh, why does he say things like electronic mailbox, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah, was which funny. was a noticeable line that Rashid delivers to him earlier. 
then the happy Montop montages all end with a phone call to Louis that his mother has died. And even though it's like kind of in, in, insane that he would go to the wake, I guess he still feels obliged. This is where he has a very frosty exchange with Grace, mm-hmm. with whom he actually had like positive relationship at first yeah. when he was a vampire. But then he did leave her baby on the floor because he wanted to eat it. So I think that was kind of the problem. So she's very frosty. She's like, just give me the house. You don't need it. You've got your your lover. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that scene ends with Claudia kind of flouncing up and being like, I'd like to go. It smells horrible or something. I know. Like she's very like teenagery and Grace being like, I can't believe you all are raising a child together. Like she's very upset about that. Um. So that's kind of, yeah, it's, it was, it was pretty great. Yeah. Uh, and then she kind of goes, then they have a scene with Claudia going out by herself and meeting Charlie. Uh, and the thing is she's dressed like in clothes that she's taken off of somebody else, like a, a, mm-hmm. a more grown up adult. Can you give me your read on how she looks in this outfit with the fur and the flapper hat and everything? Does she look I mean, like a kid? I think she still kind of looks like a kid playing dress up, but enough on the borderline where it would give you pause right because as a as an actor she is an adult right um i think that they did a really good job at walking that line here and she does a great job just with her mannerisms and everything else at at you know um i guess my only you know she's been i guess it's kind of she would have been 18 at this point in real if she had continued to age so it's not like there's that like i think the cool thing is to see if later on she starts moving differently or walking differently and and you know like because that was something that definitely for um at least in the books with claudia she couldn't even like people knew something was off about her as a kid because she wasn't moving like a kid you know uh. Um, and you know, so this is, I wonder how this sort of, but they did a really good job at like, um, just showing the evolution of Claudia here. Cause she's confused too. She doesn't quite know like what's happening to her. She's having these feelings. She's having these ideas. She's a lot older, but she's in this sort of body that's not, um, and she even says like things that she says to Charlie is like, Oh, I look a lot old. I- I'm a lot older than I look. Kid, like yeah. stuff like that and you know he has a pause but he's like all right um i don't know what would have happened if they had gotten further into their tryst but um you know it, i also thought that this was a really good way of showing sort of like uh i don't want to say vampire puberty but it is kind of that right where she loses control and she just <laughs> can't help herself and because she's just like really into it and like so i thought that that was kind of funny not funny but i thought well done um, yeah it's not i i don't know that it's supposed to be funny but it is like she accidentally murders her boyfriend like right. that's kind of funny in the and, in this story and then it's like you know she like listat and louis figure like find out and they're and listat it's like clean it up yeah listat <laughs> makes know? it a teachable <laughs> he makes it a teachable moment like he is yeah. a he's a dad in this I, I thought that i kind of appreciated that but yeah. uh unfortunately like there's another flash to the to the future where louis and louis talking about it and he's talking about claudia in the past tense she talks about how he silenced she silenced his inner demons but then in the future or in the past rather gosh she's clearly going out of her mind she's like losing it um and is it looks like she's trying to 
immolate herself in the sunlight uh, as the episode ends. We're kind of left like not not sure if she's going to make it to the next episode. Right. And it's like almost is it, you know, what exactly is she doing? Is this like the equivalent of cutting, which is kind of what I took from it, Mm. Um, that she just doesn't um, she's not feeling things like she doesn't know what's happening to her so she's trying to like force herself to feel things and that is a a very specific way um so yeah i thought that that was really well done and and her sort of the i thought that the shift from like the happy montages to this was really just artfully done and in such a small amount i mean they packed a lot into this episode um in terms of you know the the story of Claudia. I did not think that they could fit all this into, but they they fit an awful lot into this particular episode. So, yeah, um, the show continues to be really really great. I think the actor Bailey Bass is is a lot of fun as the only American in this core cast now of you know the Louis uh, Lestat and and Claudia. She actually has a I think it's a pretty authentic New Orleans sort of weird. Bronxy accent. I don't know if you've ever heard people who talk this way, but mm. they do like drop vowels. Uh, it's a it's a real it's a real thing, uh, and she's she's pulling it off. And by comparison, you know, Louis Louis has like kind of a polished Southern accent, like a Southern gentleman sort of accent. Mm-hmm. That's doing his French thing. And but she Bailey, definitely got yeah. yeah. Claudia's got the like uh, the I guess the Storyville type accent. I think that's kind of and and just she's she's got all that wild wonder accidentally killing her boyfriend energy which is which is has been a lot of fun (laughs) yeah um so i yeah so i've been really enjoying this i've been really enjoying all i feel like this cast is very strong but the writing and the storytelling is incredibly strong um and they are packing just a lot into um you know uh into like i don't want to say because these these are feel like long episodes um so it feels like almost like mini movies that you're watching they're about an hour each right but it feels very um um just really well done and even with the changes that they've made i right at this point i'm fine with what they've done with it um and i understand why so you know i guess we'll have to see how the rest of this plays out yeah, and there's only three episodes left in the season. It's a seven-episode season, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, so we will continue to watch these. I think they'll get us, depending because of the holiday coming up, we might miss an episode here or there. I'm not sure. But uh, we're going to try and stretch this out to get us to um, not a league of their own. I don't know why I'm thinking of that instead of <laughs> Last of Us. <laughs> league of their own. League of their own, the zombie... The zombie baseball <laughs> series. Base, mm. Now zombies have baseball leagues too. By God, uh, yeah. So we might we might have to fit a movie in here uh, too. But I think you know uh, we're gonna keep on this train. Join us again for more interview with the vampire next time um, on Reanimated. Uh, Ha, any final thoughts? No, I'm just enjoying this a lot. I guess I should dive into the I, I meant to start to read the book, but I didn't. But uh, I think I will. I'll do that before we record next. You know, it's cra- what I realized in insanity is that I've never read the book before. I seriously watched the really? Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt movie. I was like, you this you is kind of cool. I'll just go straight to the vampire list that I think that's where I started reading uh, uh, the Anne Rice books. 
So, um, cause this, none of this feels familiar to me. Like it's, it's completely different. And I will say like, it feels like a different way of writing for her too, compared with her yeah. later books. Yeah. Um, I also think that, you know, you and I are both old and we're forgetting all the things that so we old. read. So that's totally possible. Yeah. Just that's, it could be. <laughs> Wouldn't put it past me, but, uh, so thanks for listening, everybody get at us on, um, well, you can email us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. And you can read, you can hear all of our episodes at reanimated.podbean.com. Indeed. And until next time, happy holidays and ciao. Toodles. Toodles.